0: Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Weeks back, I started a sermon series called Here Comes the Dreamer, and and it was based off of the very beginning, uh, there in Genesis chapter 37, about a 17-year-old boy who started having dreams, and 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 the problem with those dreams were that the dreams celebrated how God was going to raise him up. And he was going to position him in a place over his brothers and even uh, his parents. He shares the dream with his, his other brothers, his older brothers. And you can imagine how they felt. They were uh, not only a little bit perturbed at how Joseph uh, was gloating over that. They'd already had some mixed feelings about Joseph. In fact, they flat out resented him. And so instead of killing him, which was their first choice, they ended up selling him to Ishmaelite traders... And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at how that journey has taken Joseph. He took him into the home of Potiphar, the the chief of the palace guard uh, there in Egypt. And then he got accused of rape, which he didn't do. And now we find him there in the middle of a prison uh, where often uh, Pharaoh would throw uh, uh, the the criminals who had offended him. And so we're going to pick up the story there in, in Genesis chapter 40. And it's a longer section, but I would like you to just kind of hang with me through the whole thing and follow along there in in your Bibles. uh, Because we want to see the whole context of this story today. Starting in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. And Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was in the palace of the captain of the guard. And they remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. And while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and Baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom and soon it produced a cluster of, of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, and so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And this is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place for I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews. And now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. And when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given The first dream, such a positive interpretation, he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastry stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket of my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. Three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. The birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him Another thought. I, I love the part here where where the guys are upset, they have a dream, and maybe you've had that kind of experience where you wake up one morning and, and you've had a bad dream and you're like, oh, wow, that's." it just sits heavy on you. Uh, and then you've also had those dreams that, that are really joyful and they remind you that uh, something good's going to happen today. And, and, and sometimes the dreams aren't nothing but maybe what you ate late last night and you shouldn't have. But it says here that Joseph noticed their countenance had changed. He could tell that they were upset and, he's, and, and they respond to him after he asks, what's going on. And they say, well, no one can tell us what these dreams mean. And he goes on to say interpreting dreams is God's business. Now, I want you just to pause for a moment and think about the journey that Joseph had been in. Here was a, a 17 year old, many years and many miles ago. Who had started to have dreams and God was speaking to him. We don't really see uh, any other examples of of him dreaming or interpreting dreams until this occasion. We also don't know exactly how many years had passed that he had had gone from 17 year old to to now in this position. But it seems pretty obvious just in the context that he had not stopped dreaming and, and he knew who employed him. Oh, he was working in the prison. Before that he was with Potiphar, but he says interpreting dreams is God's business. He hadn't stopped being the dreamer, and if you notice the title over the the last few weeks is "Here Comes the Dreamer." I believe that God's put a dream in every one of our hearts to serve Him, and He fills in those details of those dreams every day of our lives, and, and we need to be earnest about looking and seeking. And, but I love what He says: interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph hadn't hadn't forgotten. Who he worked for. He hadn't stopped believing that God still had a purpose and a plan for his life. Last week I shared in the message that the enemy of dreams is forgetting. And it was focused mainly on how you and I forget. And uh, And I've been reminded all week of how uh, a couple of you have reminded me of how I got confused on the, the jewelry store that my wife liked. I will say this. She still used the card this week. And she got her some earrings. So it worked out. Um, I was still the hero. Not the zero. But... Um, But interpreting dreams is God's business. And Joseph hadn't forgotten. But sometimes when we find ourselves in in, in stories like this, and and maybe the the prison seems a little bit extreme, but you've been in in rough times. You've had times when it feels like nothing is working out for you. Everything is going wrong. And, and, and it's easy to, to even think about what happens later on in verse 23. You probably can relate to that. Maybe maybe not quite to the significance of the cupbearer forgetting getting to, to mention you to Pharaoh. But you can remember a time when you did something for a friend or a relative. And they just forgot you. Forgot about recognizing what you had done. Uh, maybe they, they were supposed to come through and, and help you out. Maybe he gave them a loan and... And, and, and they were expecting them to pay you back. Well, I think Proverbs speaks a little bit about that too. I won't get into quite a, all that. But, but we've been forgotten by people before. You and I have been forgotten. And sometimes when we've been forgotten, we project that on God and say, well, if people forget me, maybe God's forgotten me. God doesn't forget us. Uh, we forget a lot. But if the enemy of dreams is our forgetfulness... We've got to be careful that we don't project that same forgetful mindset on God because he doesn't forget us. We have not been forgotten. But it says here that Joseph had all the reasons in the world to believe that he had been forgotten. But I love what he says. I'm still working for God. I'm still interpreting for God. I'm still saying what God has called me to say. I'm still doing what God has called me to do. Today, if you haven't got a sense of where we're going with this, it's the idea that, you have not been forgotten and that I have not been forgotten. Uh, This this country, this world, we have believers scattered all over the world who who have been affected by what's going on. We're living in a country where where things are going on every day and there's all kinds of concerns. And sometimes with the loss of job or we've lost relatives and, and loved ones, we sometimes feel that we've been forgotten. The psalmist says it this way, He says, if I forget you, God speaking, he says, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. And so when you see the word Jerusalem, it's the capital, it's the center of government, but it's also the place where the temple is. And so this is the center of where he God, where God's people uh, are going to look to for, for government to lead them. But also they're going to look to the Holy of Holies, where God is going to be in their presence. And so he's reminding them as a people when he uses that, that phrase, old Jerusalem, if I forget you, old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill now. This doesn't necessarily. This illustration might not work great if you're lefty, but there's a very few, uh, what, 17 percent of you in here probably that are lefties. But when, but when you and I throw or, or do anything with our dominant hand, and if you're left-handed, you can probably put that in there too and understand. But I throw with my right hand. Um, I eat with my right hand. I, I use my right hand to. to To get my kids under control, actually I'm ambidextrous when I'm trying to get my kids because I'm like stop, you know, I can use both hands for that. Um, We use our right hand to shake. Um, Even when I'm swimming, I notice if, if I close my eyes and start swimming, I tend to swim like this and not in a straight line because I'm a little bit more right dominant and that you probably expect that. When your eyes are open, you can kind of adjust. But that left arm doesn't quite go around as fast as, as the right arm. And so look at what he's saying here. He says, if I forget you, my people, old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. And in other parts of scripture, the, the Bible refers to the mighty right hand of God. The power, his strength. He's saying here, he said, am I, I going to forget you? And, and he goes on lots of times and God reminds the people that, that it, in my right hand is strength. Is there power in his right hand? Is there power and strength for him? He says, remember the skill I have in my right hand. I would have to forget all of that. I would have to forget all of that to then forget you. You can't be forgotten. I was going to do something pretty interesting today, but then John decided to bring his electric guitar, which I know nothing about, and I know very little about the other one, but I can at least play two songs by memory with the acoustic guitar. Uh, so that illustration went out the out the, walk, out the door. But I was going to play that and show you that I've not practiced in a year and I can still play that song. You'll just have to take my word for it. I can still do that. Um, some of you haven't ridden a bicycle in many years, but more than likely, you know how to do it. You probably haven't forgotten. Now, if you've never learned, well, that's a whole other subject. I don't want you trying that today without some help. But you don't easily forget that. And so he's making this, uh, he's equating this with this idea that I'm not going to forget you. Just like I can't forget how powerful I am and how strong I am. Maybe you have experienced being forgotten or you feel like you've been forgotten. The world's forgotten you. Maybe your boss hasn't given you a raise. Maybe maybe you haven't been promoted. Maybe relatives have dissed you. Maybe you've experienced like, like Joseph experienced being forgotten and you think, oh, maybe God's forgotten me too. Let me tell you, he cannot forget you. Just like he cannot forget how strong and mighty and powerful he is. Amen. Amen, right? God is powerful. The psalmist also writes this. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. And Isaiah the prophet said it this way. Can a man forget? oh uh, it's not a man. Can a woman forget her nursing child? Whoops. Uh, and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. That nursing experience, it's it's amazing. It's very cool, that that closeness, that that connection that they experience. And so God is saying here, he said, how could I forget you? How could I abandon you? Oh, maybe there are parents that can abandon their children. He says, but I cannot forget you. You see, God will, will not forget when he holds close. He has nursed us. He has cared for us. He has led us into those valleys of water and green pastures. He will not forget you. He will not forget us. The writer of Hebrews says it this way Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. You've got to go back and read the context, and there were some, some harsh directives there prior to that. He says, we are confident that you are meant for better things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. He he says in this in this passage, he says that there's this confidence that you and I were meant for better things. When we are forgotten, it's often as if we we start playing the mind game and saying, well, I'm I'm never going to get out of this. Things are never going to change. They're never going to get better. And we forget that there are better things that are connected to salvation. The moment we believe in Christ, the moment we we started that relationship with Him, everything changed. Everything. The promises He has for us eternally. The, the 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 promises He has for us right now. He says there are better things that come with salvation. I think a lot of people say, "Well, I gave my life to Jesus. I'm saved." Wow. That come with salvation Now don't get me wrong Eternal life is awesome that, That's the promise right Eternity with Christ But there's these other things That, that are going to accompany What's happened when, when Christ forgave us And so here's this, this, this passage to the people and he, and he reminds him in verse 10 He says for God is not unjust Let me tell you If God forgets you He would be unjust But he's not He doesn't forget he, And he goes on to say He doesn't forget how hard you worked for him You've loved other believers as you still do. He's encouraged them. Don't give up. Don't, don't forget what you've done. Keep serving. Keep loving the believers. And he says that. He says our great desire is that you'll keep on loving others as long as life lasts. This, the, this country this world has, has been faced with um, the, the, the cruel experiences of, of a virus that we don't know much about. Um, and it is taking lives and, and, and families are, are being separated when their loved ones go into the hospital. And, and there's a little bit of uncertainty probably for the first time in my life are we uh, how vulnerable we are. Uh, and, and, and I do think these are just preludes to, to even uh, to bigger things that are recorded in the book of Revelation. And, and so none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow. But as long as life lasts, we need to remember what we've been called to do. He, he, he goes on to say in verse 12, he says, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. I don't know if you have ever had this kind of argument in your house, maybe with your spouse or your kids or, or someone close to you and, you, and you say something to the effect of, hey, where would you like to eat today after church? And, and, and someone says, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. What would you like? And then you, you do the courteous thing. And you say, oh, I don't care whatever you choose, right? And you go back and forth until you, you, you kind of wear out that, uh, those pleasantries. And someone finally picks a place, right? And they just, you eventually get tired of, of you know, going back and forth. And so someone picks. And then all of a sudden, you do have an opinion. And you're like, I don't like that place. You're like, wait a minute. Didn't you just say you didn't care? And, and, and it starts off as we're indifferent, right? Oh, I don't care. Whatever you want. No, whatever you want. Christianity is not about indifference. Look what he says here. He, he says in, the, in this passage, he says, "You've been called to greater things. God's not forgot you, but but hang on, don't forget something." He says, "God has planned something for you, but He also expects something of you." See, God will not forget what He has planned for or expects from you. If there are greater things that accompany salvation, those are things that are planned for you. Those are things that are planned for me. God doesn't want you to settle into this idea, well, I gave my life to Jesus back in 1996 or whenever it was and I got baptized and well, that's pretty much it. That's been all it has been. It's not about just that. He's planned greater things for us. And and, and he goes on to say, our great desire, our our expectation is that you don't become spiritually dull and indifferent to say, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? If you are a believer that's excited about the things of God, you have an opinion. And most of us have an opinion on on quite a few things. But when it comes to the church, we're like, "Uh Uh, whatever he says or whatever they do, I'll go with the flow. He, He says there's something better for you. There's a, you've been expect, there's more expected of you. I think in these times there's more expected of us as the church. This is a time when I believe God's going to unleash a, a power and a boldness like we haven't seen, or at least I haven't seen in my lifetime. It's, it's the time when we give up on indifference and say, oh, I'm just going to go to church. No, he wants you to be the church. He wants me to be the church. And, and, and right now, the church isn't in the building any longer. Because if we believe that that this place could be closed next week or next month, will the church be closed because the building is closed? No, we have had to accept the fact that church is changing, or at least how we do church is changing. And going back to probably a more simple, uh, more direct form of you and I have to go out and, and be passionate. To be opinionated. To to not be indifferent to our salvation. But to share this love with everyone. And God promises this. And He's inheritance. This inheritance for those who are faithful and endure. But make no mistake about it. He expects something of you and of me. The prophet Jeremiah. When he was just getting started. Records this in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 15. God says to him. Before I formed you in the womb. I knew you before you were born. I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Have you ever had this this great idea, or maybe it was a good idea, or at least an idea, and and you decide I'm going to do this. You went ahead and did it, and you're like, oh, that's that's a good idea. And then have you ever had those conversations where 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 you have a discussion, and and, and someone says, maybe me. Uh, says, oh, that was a great idea. I can't believe I thought of it. And then you're reminded by someone close to you, that, oh, that was my idea first, right? You, you probably don't have those I- examples in your life, but uh, sometimes we steal other people's ideas, don't we? Uh, we? We think it was ours originally, but it's probably a spouse or someone. But we want to be known for the person who had the idea in the first place. Now, what you get this, and the scripture says, in God speaking to Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you, before you became a person, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated. God had this idea for Jeremiah and there are other places in Scripture where God had an idea for you and for me before we were ever uh, in our mother's womb. The idea that God had was for you and for me to be part of this great plan of salvation that we would share with the world. And and we can't do that if we go, go through life thinking that God has forgotten us. We're not going to defend him. We're not going to stand up for him if we become dull and indifferent and, and, and we've forgotten how we came into existence in the first place. Jeremiah was told by God, he said, before I had that, I, before you were born, I had an idea about you. I, I, I formed you in my mind. I consecrated you. Now, that word "consecrated" might be a word that, that you don't think much of, uh, but maybe a word sanctified. Set apart, maybe that's probably a word you've, you probably know a little better or you use a little bit more often. We don't use consecrated that much, and truthfully, we don't use sanctified that much uh, anymore either. But when you think about the term set apart, now that, that kind of resonates to something. We, we set apart those things that are important to us. And, and, and the scripture says that God set Jeremiah apart. He set him, he consecrated him, he said, I'm going to use you. I, I want to remind you, and, I, and, and by reminding you, I really want to remind me too. That God hasn't forgotten his purpose for us. That God hasn't forgotten what he's called us to do. He's not forgotten the plans he has for us. And Jeremiah goes on to say that a little later in Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. That God hasn't forgotten you and he hasn't forgotten me. Paul says it this way. If we didn't cover it before, he gets it in, in Romans chapter 8. He says... He covers it all. And so, if you're thinking, well, my situation's a little different. I think God's forgotten me because I'm going through this. I think Paul covers it. And if he didn't cover it in the first few verses, he ends pretty strongly when he says, nor anything else. I mean, that's just the catch-all, right? You will not be forgotten because of what Christ has done for you. That we have been separated from. We've been set apart because of what He did on the cross and our belief in Him. And we said, we will follow you, Jesus. I want you to just bow your heads for a moment. And and I want you to think about the life of a a young man named Joseph who goes through these trials and he finds himself in prison. He finds himself forgotten. And so here comes the dreamer. His brothers would would make fun of him with that phrase. And and maybe you stop dreaming. Maybe you stopped believing that God could speak to you, and and maybe you haven't. Maybe you're like me. You're just excited right now. I am so excited in the times that we're living in because I think there are new opportunities. I, I think it, it gives us this new sense of boldness because truly everything is open now uh, because we can we can just share what's on our mind. We can. We, God has given us this ability. Uh, but maybe you know someone who feels forgotten, and maybe today. You don't need this message, but you need to do what Joseph did. Joseph said to the guys who had the dream, he says, God's in the business of interpreting dreams. God is in the business of, of, of giving you that word that you need. Let me tell you what the church is called to do. It's not in here. We are called to take his words to the world, and many of them feel forgotten today. God, as we, we bow before you, as we as we. Seek your face as we we invite you to just remind us that you have never left us and you will never leave us or forsake us. But Lord, there are people all around us who feel forgotten. And, And maybe we just don't think that we have the right words or we know how to even reach them and to say what we really want to say. Would you remind us of the better things that come with salvation? Not just this indifference to the gospel but a passion for the gospel. The fact that we've not been forgotten should motivate us to reach a world that often does many things because they feel like they are alone and forgotten. Lord, send us out to a, to a group of people who feel often alone and isolated. But send us out as you said, Joseph, to say those powerful words. God is still in the business. Giving you the words that you need. Lord, would you give us the words that we need at the hour that we need it for those who need it? And would those words touch our hearts today as well. We pray in Jesus' name. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroads